everybody, and thank you for coming back to Talking Touring with me, Craig Leach, and the beautiful Liam Sexton. Hello, mate. Hey. This week, we've got a treat for all you lovely people. And it was a treat for us, actually, wasn't it, Liam? It really was, yeah. It's a very special episode. It's someone we neither of us knew, actually. Um, we've exhausted all our mates. No one wants to be our friend anymore um, because we keep asking them to come on a podcast. Um, so this week we're joined by uh, Chris Johnson, who is described as quite possibly the most in-demand session drummer in the world right now. He's he's lovely. Like Chris, has, Chris has worked with... You name him, he's done it. Rihanna, Gaga, Stevie Wonder. Uh, yeah, the list is endless. He he has experienced stuff that me and Liam have only dreamed of. Well, I don't know whether I want to do it. <laughs> I mean, all my dreams are about you, Craig, so I don't know if that's Precisely. <laughs> my dreams are about taking this podcast live to the main stage at Glastonbury with full production. <laughs> <laughs> what a time that will be Headline pyramid stage with us We're all invited It's only like £300 a ticket Three days of other bands <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, without further ado Enjoy Peace Buddy, how are you? Doing well. How about you guys? Very good, yeah. my friend. Very good. good. Thank you. Good. Thank you so much for coming on Talking Touring. This is wonderful. Talking Touring in a pandemic. That's cool. Man. Yeah. <laughs> we thought we'd try and reminisce on some uh, some more exciting times in our lives with uh, with friends and people from across the industry. So thank you so much for coming on and, uh, and talk about it. Um, we usually do about an hour. We've got like loads of stuff lined up to talk to you about um so i think we'll just go straight in with when i was reading your press uh, your epk that was sent over by our management your my favorite quote i've read about anyone was uh quite possibly one of the most in-demand drummers in the world is how live nation described you what's it like having that kind of a statement made about you i would never say anything like that about myself um i don't know man it it feels crazy you know, it feels um, surreal. Yeah, I bet. Growing up, you know, in L.A., coming out of church, you know, the typical story and gaining my musical background from uh, <clears throat> other sources. You know, I didn't I didn't go to school. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't get have I didn't have a teacher. You know, I, I learned from the. What they say, the school of hard knocks, you know. The like school she, of hard knocks, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Marts and, you know, my parents, you know, being as supportive as they could be. And yeah. I didn't be really having the outlets that everybody else had. You know, I wasn't a child prodigy. You know, my first time in NAMM show, I was like 20-something years old. Yeah, you know, I, yeah, you know, I was like, just doing, just doing me. Go to yeah. school, go to church get a regular job, you know, that type of thing. And and when it took off, it it really took off, man. So so super- did you, you never really envisioned like being a, a professional musician? It was just sort of like a, something you did with church and a bit of fun. Did you ever want to really be like in the position you are now? Um, I didn't see it at first. I'm not going to lie. Um, yeah. My, my, uh, my older cousin, uh, Dave Foreman, Plays guitar. He plays bass. He plays everything, but he played guitar with Boys to Men. Oh, shit. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was coming out of high school. So, I mean, my, you know, my auntie and my mom, they're super close even to this day. So we would go over there and I would see all the pictures and posters and videos and stuff that, they, that he had. Cause, you know, camcorders was big back then. Mm. Yeah. Camcorder, he's showing me tour videos and them being on tour buses and stuff like that. And I'm like, whoa, this is the stuff they show on like MTV, you know, like behind the scenes type stuff. Mm. Yeah. And um, at that point, I knew I was like, it's attainable because I know my cousin is doing it. You know, I know my cousin, we're really close. I know he's doing it. And like I said, I got one call. And then from that point, it was like, it was ridiculous. And then the freight train started rolling kind of thing. Yeah, man. 
Loved that. Loved that. Well, you obviously did really well on that first gig then. Like, you've impressed the right people. <laughs> you know, I, I tell people all the time, man, I was I did well because I was so scared. Yeah. <laughs> I was scared to do anything. I was scared to say the wrong thing. I was scared to play the wrong thing. I was scared. To, it was just like, I don't want to mess this up. So let me just try and do what I need to do. Yeah. So I can just make it to the next day. You know, if I make it to the next day and then so on and so on, and I'll be okay. I completely understand. I remember doing like the first gigs that I did and it was very much like that. It was like, let me look like I'm super busy. Let people know that I'm here, make an impression, but just do not fucking get in anyone's way. Just yeah, head down, focus on the job. That's it. Don't mess it up. That's all I kept thinking about. Don't yeah. mess it up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Like like you say, you clearly fucking didn't because it's, it's gone on and on and on from strength to strength, man. It's fucking impressive. I mean, reading through your like um, your press kit that came across was just like, this is a lot of fucking names. This is fucking big boy shit. It's amazing, man. Like, congratulations. Congratulations. So did you feel that like... You made it after that first gig? Did it feel like, like, oh, I'm here now? Um, I knew that, and see that, and this is the tricky thing. I knew that I was in the position to, you know, become, you know, a good professional drummer. Mm. Um, but it wasn't until I was taught and 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 understand the, the business aspect of touring. Because when I saw, when I think of the guys that made it, I'm thinking about, you know, um, you know, Vinny Caliuta and mm. Dave Weckl, Dennis Chambers, you know, those guys. Mm-hmm. They were playing for, you know, pretty much everybody. Um, and and that was one of the things that I aspired to, to do and be. It was like, I don't want to lock myself into one gig or one genre. You know, I want to play everything. And if I can play everything, I can be in the name of, like, those guys. And if I can be in the name, in a conversation with those guys, then I knew I made it. Yeah. But handling the business and in touring and, like, professional drumming and, you know, talking about rates and talking about, you know, all of these different amenities that these pro drummers get or want to get, you know, it's it's kind of hard. You have to kind of it's a line drawn and you have to kind of make a decision on how you want to handle it. And if you handle it wrong one time. Oh yeah. It doesn't get forgotten. Yeah, bro. That's it. (laughs) Have you managed to have a sit down chat with those guys then? I met, um, later on, I met Dave Weckl at a Yamaha signing at NAMM show. That's cool. I met, um, Vinny, at a NAM show, but I was I was literally getting dropped off uh at the Hilton and he was walking by as I'm closing the car door. So no way. I was like, yo, you're Vinny. He said, What's up, man? How you doing? And we had like a 20 minute conversation. Amazing. Before walking into the NAM show. That kind of blew me away. And I and that's when I knew, you know, rock stars don't have to be assholes. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, yo, this dude is super cool, man. Like, you know, like we don't have to, he didn't have to do that. You know, he didn't have to sit talk to me and like, you know, have this conversation with me. And I honestly don't even remember what the conversation was about or what we even talked about in detail. But I was just so blown away that that was him. You know, I used to watch the the Buddy Rich tribute video. Him and Dave Weckl and Steve Gann. Like I, I used to watch that all the time, bro. Yeah. And just, he, his approach was so different than the other two it was like super ridiculous to me yeah. and uh, that was one of like the, the coolest moments of you know being introduced to like one of the guys that I actually like kind of looked up to um, like once I started learning and understanding who all these pro drummers were you know so that's beautiful that, that yeah. he was the person you wanted him to be. I mean, a lot of the time when you meet people within the music industry, whether or not like they're people you look up to, they can, like you say, they have this rock star attitude about them, which is just not cool. Bro, I have stories, (laughs) embarrassing (laughs) stories of drummers that I've met that I was treated 
horribly. A bet, man. By, a by bet. older drummers or by younger drummers? Older, both, actually. Yeah. But older drummers, it's like, wow, yeah. that's that's so and so from, you know, so and so. Yeah. Like, hey, how you doing? Like, good to meet you, big fan. Yeah, 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 yeah. Get out of here, kid. Like, you know, maybe it's just a bad day or something. You yeah. know, but you know, one that, of the things I've I've read about. Uh, or you and, and what Hannah and Nick told me about you is that you're super humble, and it's like it's that it's is it because you notably want to be remembered as Chris Johnson, the nice guy, or is it just your nature? Well, as a person, you know we're we're human beings first. Yeah, you know, of so yeah. So with with that being said, you know I'm a drummer. Second, you know mm-hmm. I'm a father. You know second, that's down the line. But like once. Your initial, you know, the initial meet. It's like, you know, you're a human being. You don't want, you don't want to be rude. You don't want to be come off offensive. You know, you don't want. Manners go so far in every aspect. I've done that. It's simple. Yeah, absolutely. And I had to. My mom definitely kept me grounded. Like, never got higher than where Mm -hmm. I was supposed to go. Never. um, They call it the big head. You know, got the big head. Yeah. Mm Just because you got one gig and you play with uh, whomever, you know, yeah. there's millions of drummers, millions of musicians that would die to be in your place right now. And they would do things to you or, or yeah. again, get to where you are, you know, yeah. you know, just remember, you know, the creator I'm, I'm very high on, on uh, not religion, but just spirituality and, mm. and the higher being is and it can be taken away at any moment and to be, just be grateful. And, and like you said, just be humble. Yeah. You know, stay humble and grounded. You know, it'll all come to you. That's a guarantee. One thing that's been said in every more. episode of Talking Touring is just like, one of the top tip things is just don't be a dick. It's so simple, isn't it? Like as soon as that one second that you behave like an idiot, it's not forgotten. Hey man, you, 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 you get in the, you know, the string of things like the Rihanna run that I was on, you know, it was like tour back to back to back to back. It was like five tours back to back. It was an album, rehearsal, tour, album, rehearsal, tour, album, rehearsal, tour. Mm. And so, you know, I would, I would usually, um, you know, the bus pull up to the venue, <clears throat> excuse me, I would get up out the bus, maybe go run some stairs or something or go take a long walk or something. And then I would just sit at the top of the venue and I'm watching all the crew guys set up the rigs and, you know, the back line setting up the gear and, and this, that, and the third. They work hours before the show. They work hours after the show. Yeah. You know, travel, do it all again the next day. And, I, and it's like, wow, these guys are really, really, really giving their all, oh, man. Why would I treat them yeah. or anybody for that matter, you know, like that? You know, very appreciative. Even... You know, one day I went out to try and push some cases and and like uh, I was trying to help do something with the drums. And my tech was like, hey, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? And I'm yeah. like, man, you guys working so hard, man. We barely play two hours maybe Yeah. on a night. You know, I get up and go to sound check. My drums are tuned. They're set up perfectly, you know. I don't yeah, even have to together sometime. You can come and push boxes with me anytime you like. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, get out of here, man. Chris Axel, never forget that moment, man. And he was just like, you can show your appreciation by saying thank you and just being a consummate professional every night. Like, that's that's your thank you. Like, yeah. but now get out of here. Don't hurt yourself. You know, protect your limbs and you know, arms and hands. The and they don't have a job if you hurt yourself pushing that case. Mm. No, and it all works. T- touring, man, everything works hand in hand. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. So, Absolutely. I mean, it's the, 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 the simplest thing of like, I used to do it with festivals where it's really, really warm. I'd like go to the rider in our dressing room and take, you know, a handful of, of ice cold water bottles down to the stage and just give them to a couple of the guys that are helping unload our trailer or load our trailer. <clears throat> just because it's hot and they're like not, you know, they haven't got time to take care of themselves properly. Just little mm. things like that. It's nothing, but it can make someone's day. 
treat them to a, a drink or dinner, you know, on an off day or something like that. You know, how everybody gathers in the lobby of the hotel. Mm-hmm. So like, yo, drinks on me tonight. Yeah. You know, like something. something. It, it's not yeah. any food. I'm not, you know, setting up your 401k or anything. It's, yeah. you know, nice. A nice gesture goes a long way. It really does. It really, and now really that does. you're like doing these big gigs, do you do you have your own drum techs that you take on all of these tours now, or do you kind of get assigned someone that comes with the production? Uh, first, first starting out, um, yeah, it was a uh, there was a whole full production crew that that came with the gig, and they they would be they would say, you know, if you don't if you don't like the way they work, or you know, if you want to change out to one of your guys. Um, let's just try this guy out first and then we can talk, you know, in like a week or whatever and, mm-hmm. and, and go from there. But generally, you know, I'm the easiest to work with. And that, I know you might hear a lot of people say that, but I am truly like, <laughs> I don't, feel, you know, I don't, I don't get upset. I don't, you know, it's like, like I said, we're all human. We're all prone to mistakes. Mm-hmm. I've been to some gigs and on some tours and, you know, some guys have a brain fart one day and it's just like, all right, no problem. We'll fix it. Life goes no, on, doesn't it? You know, no need to get upset. Yeah. You know, we all families, we all miss our families. We can have a bad day, man. It's all right. You know, it's all good. So at this point in my career, um, they'll definitely ask if I like to work with anyone and I'll, you know, go down my list of of who's available and you know, go from there. That's nice to know. It's good that there's like, because myself and Craig, we we work like primarily or have been working primarily in the last few years with like punk bands. And it's a completely different world to the punk world. We've done a bit of pop work as well, but um, like the, the way that a Rihanna tour works and the way that like an anti-flag tour works are two very, very different things. You know what I mean? Like it's, you know, you don't really get a choice of like, of any techs, you're like, you're lucky if you get a tech in those worlds sometimes, you know what I mean? So it's nice to hear that in that world, even though from our perspective, it looks like there's a lot more available and things might be looking like they're easier from the outside. It's great that there's like still a level of like camaraderie and, you know, you have your guys that you're like, no, this is my guy. This is my guy. I like to stick with these people. You know, I'll give your person a try, but this is probably what's going to make the show the best. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So did you, sorry, go. On. No, no, you're you're absolutely right. I've I've been there as well. I've I've been on the gigs where I had to set up my own stuff. Yeah, you know, I've been, <laughs> I've been on gigs where uh, I send in a writer, mm. I get the sound check, and the guy tells me that <clears throat> according to the music and the artist and the look that he thought that the drum should be set up this way. Brilliant. You know, those gigs, you know, <laughs> even, he knows he knows it better than you do. Of course, he does. Unbelievable. And even in that instance, I actually I chuckled to myself and was like, "This is really unbelievable." I'm already super nervous, you know. Um, you know, I've never played with this artist before, and he chooses to set the drums up how he wants to. I said, "Okay, no problem." Um, can you just clear the riser for me? Like, take everything off the riser. And he was like, are you serious? I was like, yes. I'm not going to name this guy's name. Mm, no, I don't have to. That's fine. <laughs> well, you <laughs> can name and shame if you're not, Chris. You don't mind. It would be disrespectful, but no. Um, yeah, so I just... And, and me, and, and knowing who I am, because I'm a stickler for, you know, perfection. I, I like things to be right. So even with the tech, I'm showing up an hour before Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to be there just to make sure my stuff is like, you know, error free, you know, so Mm -hmm. it's like, yeah. It kind of shifts some of the the liability onto you with that as well, that responsibility. It's it's your tool to do your job, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and, and again, my mom would always say that, like, nobody's going to prepare for something like, like you are. So don't expect them to. And so, you know, I, I it took me about 10, 15 minutes to set everything up. Then the audio was able to mic it. Sound checked. Everybody came in, sound checked, you know, took a break or whatever. And then he came back and apologized, you know, 
yeah. because the production manager, you know, he didn't he didn't appreciate basically me cutting off progress of the the loading, yeah. you know, like reset up and all that, whatever. But he apologized and it was all good. And I didn't I didn't it didn't matter at yeah. that point. Like let's just have a good show and and see it the next yeah, like, like you said before, it's just water under the bridge at that stage, isn't it? It's it's solved. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, and I and I'm I'm you know ironing my you know, sharpening my iron by, you know, tuning and setting up and, you know, using things and, oh, I'll try something different this time. I'll put the snare to this side or whatever, you know. I think with drumming as well, it's it's such a, like, particular nature in that if, if things aren't exact when you sit down to play in the way that you've used, you're used to playing it, it doesn't feel right and you'll struggle. So like that perfectionist nature, I think is something that, that is definitely prevalent with drummers because it's so like, it's all about muscle memory, you know? And it's, and it's a lot of factors involved as well. Oh you know, yeah. I'm a sonic guy, you know? So if, and, and we in church, you know, my, my dad was a pastor and we would go to visiting churches you know, obviously the, the drums will be set up differently than it would be at my church. So it's not like you can move stuff around. It's just like, all right, um, now we're going to have Pastor Al's church come through. They're going to uh, sing a couple of songs and he's going to, you know, bring the service. So it's not like you got time to set yeah. up and all this stuff. You just play it as it is. Yeah. You know, when things are not right, like the heights and you know, how far away things are. Like there was a drummer here, a church we used to go to. He was very, very tall in statue and had very long arms. So the drums were set up so like broad, right? And, you know, I just, you know, just scoot the seat up just a tad bit more, you know, maybe adjust the seat level, maybe tilt the snare or whatever to where I can, you know, strike it, you know, consistently. And then we were off to the races. So when it comes to like, touring stuff and and if I get to sound check and something's not right, it's nothing to just adjust really quickly. Yeah. But but how they sound really, really messes with me more than how the drums are set up. Like if the drums don't sound good, I'm not having a good night. You know, it's it's and I'm a stickler for that. It may not sound good to me, but out front everybody's like, oh my God, they sounded great. Like I don't know what you're worried about. So it's like the monitor mixes versus the front of house mix. If I'm not comfortable in that sense, it's a very tough night. Yeah. It's a rough night. Every 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 church musician I've ever ever worked with always is just so good at making the worst drum kit sound like the best <laughs> drum kit in the world, and it's just it's incredible. Like a friend of ours, like I don't know what he does, but it just cranks everything. And like you, it's like if you would touch it, it would just split. But no. Still works in it works a treat. I love it. We definitely learned definitely learn how to adjust on the fly. Yeah. Definitely. Even with a cymbal stand falls. Yeah. I remember just, you know, my tech really getting upset at me because the way the stage was set up, if something went wrong, you know, he would have to run, you know, to the to the further side of the stage, come up the stairs behind the LED wall and do all of that. So he heard the cymbal stand fall. And before he can even hit the stairs, I'm playing with one hand and fix the simple thing or whatever. And he gets up there. And he's like, what happened? What happened? And I'm like, oh, it's, it's cool. I, I got you. He's like, what do you mean? <laughs> he got upset because the production manager was like, that should never happen. And I had to tell production manager, Yo, it's cool. Like, Don't worry about it. It's all good. Trust me. It's like, you know, so we, we, we definitely know how to adjust on the fly. Like, and that's with anything. Yeah. A busted kick drum. Move on to the floor tom. Play it, yeah, it's playing with the floor tom as the kick drum. Like, yeah. you know, just like whatever we gotta do to make it work, you know. So almost like in one sense, like a tech's dream client to work with, and also a tech's nightmare client, because like you'll just handle shit by yourself. It's like they don't it's really no, need to be there. It's really no problem for me. I love that. It's great. Because, like you said, the the ultimate responsibility is is mine. Hmm. So I picked the drums. I chose the sizes. You know, I chose the heads. I chose the cymbals. I chose 
you know, the hardware, I chose all of that stuff. So if something goes wrong, ultimately, they're not going to say, oh, his drum tech dropped the ball. Mm. Gonna say, Chris, what's going on back there? Like, yeah. it's not sounding right or it's not looking right or it's not feeling right, you know. So it can be call time 1230. I'm there at 11. Um, text, uh, the, the text call time is at 11. I'll be there with him. And I'll, Love it. yeah, and 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 I'll let them know as well. It's like I'm not trying to micromanage you. I'm not. I just I am early. That's yeah. what I do. I like to be prepared. You know, do what you got to do. I'll go get a coffee. Text me when you you're done. You know, before audio mics it. You know, I come check it out. You know, we'll make adjustments. You know, you make your markings, and we'll never have to do it again. You know, like super easy. So like so far we've sort of covered that you're you're happy to like you want to help out and push cases, you're organized, <laughs> you're on time, and you take responsibility for your shit. Like, can we just come on tour with you all the time? Because no one I fucking work with is like this. Man, I, I just again, I just don't want I don't want anybody saying anything to me. I don't want the MD. That's it. Yeah. I don't want the MD, the artist, none of the other musicians. I don't want anybody saying nothing to me. Let's just have mm-hmm. I have just, to ask then, have you ever missed a lobby call or a bus call? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, but it, it, I can count on one hand. Yeah. Yeah. So no, absolutely. Yeah. And most of the time, I remember a couple of instances, um, and this was before cell phones and emails were like, like big. Um, we used to get call sheets slipped under the door. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, if I'm asleep before the call sheet comes, you know, it's a chance that I miss lobby call. If I wake up at 10 and lobby is at 10, mm. you know, how am I supposed to know that lobby call yeah. was at 10 if, you know, so, you know, we did what we could to correct those mistakes. You know, um, like the tour manager would have the, um, they would do wake up calls. They would have a front desk call in, call and say, hey, you wake up, your lobby call is set for yada, yada, yada. You know, and they would do it maybe an hour before the call. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so that helped. Um, I can't remember any instances where I was just like blatantly late for any reason other than just not knowing the, the call time. I don't miss the days of uh, pool sheets under the uh, door. That was just the worst thing in the world. <laughs> it's the worst feeling in the world. It, yeah. It, mm. I you're late and then I'm just thrown off. Yeah. You know, I'm thrown off. And then I'm rushing. I don't like to rush. Yeah. This anxiety of, of of rushing, and if if I'm rushing and I have that anxiety, I can't perform well. You yeah. know, in those days where something goes wrong. Yeah. You know, when I'm rushing, and and it's just like not 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 cool. I don't I don't like it. I don't like it at all. It's a fucking horrible feeling when the, you're late to the lobby call, the elevator doors open, and you just see all the eyes <laughs> turn and look at you. And you just, you feel like you're fighting for the rest of the day to get back up on top of things. It's not good. You're apologizing for like 20 minutes straight. It's like, yo, please forgive. I'm sorry, man. They'd be like, man, you're never late, man. We're not, a, you're not, we're not worried about it, man. Don't, don't worry about it. Just, you know, just kind of, be on top of it next time, mm. you know. But yeah, I, I hate it. I hate being late. Same. One thing I want to talk to you about, Chris, is um, award shows. You've obviously done a massive amount of award shows with the artists you've played for. And then for me and Liam as tour managers, the ones that we've been involved with have, have just been the bureaucratic nightmares of time-wasting horribleness. <laughs> if you were to like sum up your experience as an artist and as a performer at an award show, would, would you prefer to do that or a studio session or, or, or a string of shows? Like, how, What's your favorite show to do? To be honest, uh, the one that pays the most. <laughs> I, like I love it. It's an honest answer. <laughs> no, really. Uh, yeah. All of them are very unique. <clears throat> Excuse me. Touring is, um, it's a wear and tear on the body, man. It really Hugely. It's like, you know, if you're not really, really made for touring, it could really jack you up really bad. Um, I've done 
variety shows where I was in the house band and it was like, you know, 11 weeks of like kind of like a nine to five type job, Mm. you know, showing up to work with a whole bunch of charts and stuff like that. That's super cool. I wouldn't mind that. Uh, Award shows is a lot of hurry up and wait. Yeah. 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 Around a lot get a lot of time to do, you know, reading or research or whatever for whatever uh, you're looking at at the moment. Um, I don't know. It just, it just depends on the rate. Just, just to be quite honest. And I am flexible and I can adjust easy to pretty much anything. So um, whatever it calls for, I, I, I can be a chameleon, bro. Like that's, that's, that's not, that's great. What you need, isn't it, in this toy world? Um, sure. Another one we've got written down here is um, rehearsing on tour and stuff, especially on these big shows with 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 Gargarian and stuff like that. Is going to be a meticulously planned production heavy show. But then you guys, as musicians, are bound to move with the vibe of the show and stuff. Like, do those artists give you room to breathe as a musician, or or are you kind of told? this is your chance to do something or you can just let the whole thing breathe or does the MD just do that night by night? It depends on the gig um, and artists really. Um, freedom usually comes uh, during like the interludes, mm. like, you know, when they're changing clothes or it's a set change or something like that. You know, you get your creative freedom to do pretty much anything. Yeah. I, um, when it comes to like a song, I usually just stick to the song. Um, I'm thinking about fans. I'm thinking about the consumer and and the artist, really, because like once once people hear a song, they connect that song to an emotion and how they felt when they first heard that song. And once you go outside of that, it's like, okay, this is different. I don't know if I like it. You know, and the vibe that changes the whole vibe of the entire crowd. Like, like, um, like the Rihanna tune "Umbrella." Like, it starts with drums, and it starts with like the drum sample. And you know, if if you play, if you veer off and play something else over that, it's like, what song is this? Yeah. You know, like what is this? And then they'll, then they'll have something to say. Hmm. You know, again, I don't want anybody saying anything. To me. No. So. Usually when it comes to a, an actual song, like the, the form of it, I'll leave it as such. Unless there's like some special part that needs something a little more, or like some inflection. And it's usually maybe half of a bar or yeah. maybe, you know, inside of a, you know, six bar phrase or something, you know, it, it just moves a little differently. But then you go right back to yeah. the form mm-hmm. So one thing I've always wondered from a performer point of view is like when you're there and you're, you're doing your thing and, and you've rehearsed meticulously and then suddenly you've got some fire coming up here and then a bit of stage moving here and then <laughs> someone flying in front of you. How do you not get distracted? But I, I, for me, I'd be like, oh. <laughs> it's, rehear- it's rehearsal, like repetitive, being repetitive and, you know, knowing where the stuff is. I remember one tour, <laughs> man. We didn't do a pyro test until like the show. I mean, the the uh, production rehearsal right before the show the next night. So we had no idea of what the pyro looked like or what it, you know, what it was going to be, or whatever. And there were, uh, you know, the flames, so the torches. Yeah. So it was yeah. like two in front of me, two in back of me. They were there the whole time of production rehearsals. They just never, you know, shot the pyro. So it was like I lifted my arms up to hit the crash and like boom, all four of them go off at the same time. And it literally um I like folded. Like, you lost it, you lost the drums for like two beats. And it was it was so ridiculously embarrassing. And I was uh everybody turned around, and was like, yo, you good? I said, I didn't think I would be in hell, like. You know, like, y'all got to warn us about this type of stuff. (laughs) 
this is crazy. They was like, oh, 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 sorry, you know, my bad, whatever, whatever. It's like, bro. So maybe like the fourth or fifth show, it was like, all right, cool, we're mm-hmm. rock star. It's cool, but that first time in rehearsal, it shocked. I mean, it shocked everybody, but yeah. I was the one surrounded. Kind of, yeah, I was just like, but the heat uh, of them as well, like they're so hot. hot, very hot. I felt the side of the drum, and it was like very hot. It's completely you know, tuned itself. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I asked my friend, I said, "Bro, is this gonna be okay? Like for a whole tour?" He was like. It shouldn't bother it too much, but we'll we'll ask them to kind of either move the flames further away or like tone them down or something. Mm-hmm. That was the thing. I don't think people realize how high it is, or, or how easy it is to trigger pyro. Like it's just a button. You know what I mean? Like in your head, you probably think it's like as a as a consumer, you probably think it's like oh, it's a complicated process. It's just a button on the side of the stage nine times out of ten. And like I've seen, I'm not going to name any names, but I've seen some festival shows side of stage where they're just letting their buddies trigger the fucking pyro. Yeah, it's fucking intense. Oh, no. <laughs> no, it's I'm not scary. a huge fan of pyro, but, you know, it comes with the gig. It's all good. Yeah, that's true. I guess with a high production show like that, you have to have to get used to it. And once you're used to it, it's just they've got to like, spend all like that money, haven't they? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I was watching one of your uh, your Yamaha videos from back in 2013, and and one thing that you were really talking about was the the motto of "Be ready." And a lot of people may perceive that as being ready with your chops and and being able to be rehearsed and all that stuff. But I kind of heard that as you've got to be ready to mentally go on tour as well. And like, do you, do you have a pre-tour um, like mind workout that you do before you go away? Because as, as we briefly touched on, it is, it's not easy to tour and you have to do touring in a particular way and it takes years and years to get there. But is there, is there something now that you've done to make sure your mind stays in the right place? Now that you're you've been doing this, um, yeah, you gotta you gotta do some practices, man. Like um, when I first started touring, I, I had no clue what to do, where to go. Like I would stay in my room the entire time. I'd be in beautiful cities. Um, I mean, for days at a time, and not go anywhere. Like I would just be in my room. I hear horror stories. Like, you know, don't. Don't walk by yourself, you know, stay with crowds and, you know, all of this stuff. You know, you get hungry, so you can imagine the room service bill being mm-hmm. crazy. And watching movies and stuff on the television and those bills, like, being nuts. It's like, you can just walk up the street maybe five minutes and grab some food in a restaurant yeah. and pay, you know, a fraction of what you're paying in a room service. So, um it wasn't until later on I would I would usually because I I love being at home. You know, I'm from Los Angeles, so I like being home. And I would be homesick, and I would have to psych my mind out of like having to be away from home for like three months. So, I w- I would just put my mind in a place where I'm like let me just go do it. Let me just not think about it. Let me not like harbor too much on it. And, and my family would laugh at me because they would they'd like. Are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm going. I, I love you. Bye. Like, peace. Yeah. Like, I see you in a while. I'll call you when I get there. You know, like that kind of thing. And um, I had to learn how to like take walks. You know, read more books. You know, go sightsee more. You know, go check out these restaurants and the cuisine, the local cuisine of whatever country Embrace or city. The traveling and such. Yeah, yeah. yeah. just kind of like. Let it come, and the time seemed to move just a little faster, you know. And I can get home quicker. And then when I leave, when I get home, it's like wow, like I, I I'm a I'm just a little bit more cultured than I was before I left, you know. And, and it was cool. It was cool to tell my, you know, my family members about this restaurant that I went to when they <laughs> cracked a, a raw egg over a perfectly fine hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> why would why would you crack an egg? I mean, like 
perfectly formed. I was eating bacon back then as well. So it's like a hamburger. It was stacked. It was like the meat, the cheese, the the, the lettuce, tomato, onion, pickles, yeah. bacon, and it had the special sauce, whatever that was, and the bun on the top. And then they just cracked the raw, like literally cracked the raw open. <laughs> Where was that? <laughs> In Germany somewhere, bro. Of course and it was Germany. I was like, I don't want to eat this now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to eat it now. And I, you know, it's not like here in the States. It's like, can you make it again? Yeah. You know, mm. very insulting if you send the food back, you know, and, and who knows what's going to come back when they bring yeah. it back. It's like, pick up this wet ass burger. Well, yeah. A wet, a wet egg burger yeah. <laughs> or whatever. And, you know, I did the best I could by eating it. But at that point, I knew, you know, I have to be more vocal. You know, they like sparkling water versus the tap water. Yeah. You know, water so it's like you know they'll they'll bring you sparkling water before they'll bring you still water so it's like mm-hmm. yeah have to kind of get the culture and figure out why you know they do things this way and it was cool it was cool after after the first you know first one or two tours yeah. you know I kind of got the grasp of it you know it was it was a great learning curve for me and I was I was by myself too it was I was a loner didn't really hang out. I didn't drink. I didn't smoke at the time. I didn't do anything. It was yeah. like clean cut Chris Johnson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is. It's like we've said it a few times before on this podcast, but it's like it's a different world. It's a bubble living in in on a tour because it doesn't it doesn't relate to real life in any way at all. It's it's a Disneyland for adults. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Anything that you want, you can have mm. at any point, at any moment of the day, whatever you want, you can have it. And there's people that cater to you 24 seven. And guess what? You get paid as well. Like, mm-hmm. so, like what kind of world is this? Yeah. You know, so it's, it's definitely, you can really get lost in it. I've seen guys get lost in it. I, I've actually witnessed it with my eyes. Yeah, People get lost in it. And it's a very dangerous and uh, it's serious. It's a very, mm. serious. Oh, very serious. Yeah, I guess that's when that humbleness just vanishes as well. When you when you do get too deep into it, man, you can really lose yourself. And I, I honestly felt myself getting to that point and like kind of losing myself and seeing things and experiencing things because there's I've been in rooms where uh, I know I shouldn't have been. Yeah. You know, I've been. I've been at parties where I know what was going on behind the curtain over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like different things. I'm talking about dangerous things where mm-hmm. like you can really lose your mind yeah. and you come back home like not right or not come back home. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I people, you know, I I, I don't want to go into detail, but just no. very, very, very dangerous and 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 things that that could really ruin your life. Yeah. yeah. Like really, really, really ruin your life. It's very easy to get caught up in it because it's it's such a party lifestyle for some people as well. And especially when you start out touring, that's, you know, you look up to people who, from time before you who, who lived that lifestyle and glorified that lifestyle of like drinking drugs and partying um, all around the world. And... I, you know, I, I personally, I got sucked into it early on in my career, you know, this party lifestyle, drinking all the time and going out after the shows constantly. But as you grow, you you get this, you either get really far into it. And like you say, you, you just don't fucking come back or you, you wisen up, you smarten up and you you get yourself on the straight and narrow, so to speak. Um, but especially in places like across the world, far from home, speaking a different language, you get yourself into some situations, man. It, it's, it's scary. Very, very. Mm. I mean, just very, very. Just like one, one particular instance that comes to mind is like, like you said, you know, you play a, a great show, everybody's super hype. The tour buses pull up to like a row of restaurants and clubs and and shops, and you get out and you find yourself in a car with strangers, and y'all rolling to what another party? Yeah, to. Mm-hmm or somebody else's house 
You know what I mean? You're like sitting in a room with people you don't know. You can't speak the language. You know, you don't have your passport on you. You don't, you know, it's just like, this could really be fucked up. <laughs> mm. Shit, in the moment, you're just like, you don't even consider it. But yeah, looking back now, it's like, yeah, I don't know anyone. I don't speak the language. I have no passport. I don't know where I am. I couldn't tell anyone anything. Yeah. Scary. Very scary. Just thinking about it gives me chills because it's like, mm. I'm back then to do some shit like that. Yeah, like, you've got to do it to learn to not do it, though, haven't you? Like, you've got to go out and experience it and see how not to do it. I guess. Very true, but yeah. that one, that one try, <laughs> yeah. it cost like a, a multitude of like things, you know, like that could go wrong. Yeah. But again, I'm grateful and very blessed to have experienced those things. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's Learning. me too. I've definitely, I mean, I've been doing this 15 years now, and it, it's, it's there's. It's things I've seen which have made me make very easy, clear-cut decisions on how not to do something or how not to behave and how to spot issues arising pretty quick, especially with drink, drugs, and and people being scumbags. <laughs> so there are, I'm thankful for having experience. You'll never avoid that scumbag. Yeah. Like, they're everywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it does seem to be that our industry... I don't want to speak as a general term, but does attract scumbags quite a lot of the time. Like it's a lot of good people. It's prevalent. Well. Oh yeah, definitely. There's some amazing people in the music industry. There really are, but there are a, a proportionate amount of scumbags that are attracted to the industry who get by and get success by being a fucking scumbag. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, absolutely correct. And and I had to learn how to watch. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. They used to say um, in church all the time, watch as well as pray. You know, because when you're praying, you're in a position uh, of surrender, right? So your mm-hmm. eyes are closed, you're either on your knees or in a surrendering position. But they also tell you to watch. So so while you're watching, you know, while I'm partying, I'm watching. Yeah. I'm just remembering, uh, you know, the teachings that I, you know, my mom and dad, you know, just like, don't do it. Go ahead. Have fun. Don't get me wrong. Have fun. Not too much. But but just just be aware of where you are. Be aware of your surroundings. Be aware of who you're with. Mm-hmm. Be aware of the things that you're doing. You know, don't represent your name, you know, in a negative manner. Because as soon as you do something, I remember it. Just talking about this, I remember it. It's just where some guys got caught up in some shit while we were on tour. And the headline was, uh, the artist name. Mm-hmm. It wasn't their names in particular. It was the artist name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Band and crew of yada 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 got caught up in some bullshit. You know, like, yeah. and that's the last thing you need is your your family's name being represented in a negative manner. Absolutely. And that yeah. causes you to lose work. And you know, that's how me. I don't want to lose work. You know, I wanna I wanna get everything I'm supposed to get. I don't wanna not have it because I'm doing something stupid. You know, so amazing. Well, I tell you yeah. what, we're 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 slowly running out of time. I could chat to you all day, Chris, but what we're gonna have to do, we're gonna have we to We haven't even got to... even close yeah. to asking you all the questions we want to ask you. Well, I like to talk, my bad. I'm, no, no, dude, bad. we, we No, no, it's great, it's perfect. We I'm fucking not love done it. With you yet, my friend. <laughs> Uh, did Hannah send you our top? Our, we we have talking touring questions. And, she did. Oh yes. hell yeah! Awesome. So if we we'll go in with them, and I'm going to ask you, Chris Johnson, what are your top five venues in the world? Whoa! <laughs> oh, man. it's a big one. Some I haven't even played yet. That's fine. Absolutely fine. Yeah, it, it can be venues, festivals. Rooms, churches, anything. I would say in no particular order. Okay, yeah. nice. Uh, Diamond Jubilee. Diamond Jubilee. Whereabouts is that? I've not heard of that. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I have dude, not. I've no. never heard of that. Okay, that's the anniversary of the Queen's reign. Right. Oh, oh shit. Of course. shit! I thought, I thought <laughs> I you were saying a venue. venue. No, that's awesome. <laughs> Well, I guess that's a venue because I've also played Party in the Park there as well. So, and Hyde Park. Uh, you, 
Dude, Mark, that's huge. Chris, <laughs> <laughs> so I won't lie to you. A lot of the people that come on here will say this dingy little 200 cap uh, club. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the biggest fields in the world. Yeah. Albert Hall. I've never played Albert Hall, but I want to play Albert Hall. Albert yeah. Hall's cool. Beautiful yeah. room. Beautiful okay. room. Staples Center. Yeah. Um, Stade de France. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't played Red Rocks. I want to play Red Rocks. Dude, I have to do Red Rocks. I cannot wait to do it. I got offered to do it last year and it fell through. Gutted. Um, I think some of my favorite um, like live DVDs that I've seen have been from Red Rocks. Incubus at Red Rocks in like 2003. So good. I think that's what really, really turned me on to like discovering new music because I'd never heard them before. And I think I was... At a friend's house and he put them on while we were in high school and it was like what is this like i didn't understand how it could sound like that and then we watched the dvd and it was like it just Most blew my mind you, man. um i would say coachella and then um gastonbury of course glastonbury, glastonbury is one of those as a tour manager it's just hell on earth. <laughs> it's the worst. Not the first I've heard. That's not <laughs> as an experience. That's, a beautiful place. And you know, I like to dress fresh too, like fresh sneakers, fresh this, fresh that. The bus pulls up, and all you see is mud. Mm-hmm. Mud everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I'm not getting off this tour bus until somebody goes and buy me some uh, wellies yeah. or something. And I can walk around in those, but I'm not walking around in these. Like, you know, that was the first, like, non-negotiable. Yeah. You know, so everybody's like 50-year-old, 50-year-old here, 50-year-old here, and, mm-hmm. and the tour manager would go and grab a whole bunch of wellies and we'd be good. But the the energy behind that festival, man, have you written that into your contract now that if you do Glastonbury, that wellies are to be provided on arrival? <laughs> oh, now, so if I see it on a schedule, I'll just put them in the back, in the in the bottom of my drum cases or something, and yeah. just be like, I'll carry them with me. Oh, yeah, bro, those those awesome energy. I mean, just amazing, amazing. As far as you can see, it's just people. Yeah, yeah, crazy. So yeah, I'm uh, yeah that that venue. The best. The yeah. best. Yeah. I can't wait to do it again. I don't know with who. Maybe it'll I be me. Can wait. I can wait a lifetime to never do it again. Wait. <laughs> I'm going to call you, actually. If somebody asks me to do Glass and Barrel, I'm, so, I'm going to call Craig. I'm like, Craig, I, I know you're going <laughs> to do this and we're going to have fun. <laughs> oh, that'd be amazing. Uh, I th- well, that was more than five, but that that was great. Was that more? That's than five? such a good list. Yeah, yeah. definitely. There, a lot of those were stadiums, though. So I guess a lot of the time, you you that that would be touring with a production. So it's not even like you get there and that that venue has got a particular thing they do. So yeah, yeah. Uh, are those stadiums? You're just familiar with them, or is it they were just oh, yeah. great shows and they were really great shows, great energy, and they were uh, memorable. Yeah, mm. they're very memorable. Um, like the the style de France that night was actually really really crazy. Yeah, I re I I remember like it was yesterday. It was eighty one thousand people. Whoa! Um, and it was in the middle of a tour. Like we did a stadium, we did a stadium show in the middle of like an arena run. Yeah. Um, Miles and miles of space in the wings for that one. <laughs> it was nuts, man. I can't even imagine 81,000 people. I'm lucky to have done a gig to 8,000 people, to be honest. Like, 81. But the smaller the smaller venues, too, have their own special thing. Yeah. yeah. And they're not as, to me, they're not as memorable. I just remember it being uh, less uh, boomy. Yeah. <laughs> or... <laughs> Or concentrated on, you know, like the actual execution because it's smaller and everybody's like kind of up in your face yeah. and it's 
like a, a like a club or like a, the Microsoft Theater here in LA. Mm-hmm. I think that's the best sounding venue here in LA. Um, stadium, club, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Best sounding venue, period. Hands down. Um, playing in Vegas as well was, was really good. Was in one really of the cool. casinos? Yeah. Yeah, they build all of these new venues now, they build for sound. Yeah. Yeah. Sport, like whether it's a sporting venue or not, they build it for sound. Yeah, I, like I said, I like sound. Yeah, I love sound and acoustics and sonics and stuff. So, it's one of my biggest. Me and Liam were in uh, Vegas back in January 2019, and Celine Dion was on the bill. and I'm gutted that we didn't go there. Yeah, we should have done. Oh. oh, yeah, it would have been a hell of a good show. Vegas show is, is pretty much really good because. <laughs> All of them say they're the number one Vegas show on the, the strip. So all, every every show on the strip is the number one yeah. Vegas show. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, so the next one for our, 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 tour, our talking touring questions is what item can't you live without on the road? Hmm. Uh, it will probably be cell phone. I can't yeah. believe that's not come up before, actually. Yeah. I mean, it would attached have- to mine. Especially in today's time, like everything is on there. You know, you, you do the, uh, what's the app? The touring Master app? Tour. Master Tour. Yeah. Everything on there. You know, you can stay connected to your family and FaceTime and yeah. all of that stuff. Like I started out having to go down the street and get a calling card. Yep. On the nearest pay phone and call home. Yeah. Then they allowed you to call from your your uh, hotel room, but then they'll charge you like, like point whatever. Cent, dollars. <laughs> and that got expensive. Yeah. You know, I would have a stack of calling cards, like, you know, just calling all my family and that runs out of time, you know, toss yeah. that in the trap. But a cell phone is so valuable right now in, in today's touring for sure. It's insane to think how much of an impact that level of technology has had on daily lives, especially in touring. Like, if you, yeah. if I took, if someone took my phone away from me and sent me out on the road as a tour manager, I'd be fucked. I couldn't do it. You could do it. Well, you maybe, would, but I'd really struggle. <laughs> struggle for sure. You would, yeah. it would be a whole lot more work because you would have to like literally go to a computer, type out everything, print it, make a hundred whatever copies. You know, if there's a typo, you got to redo it. Mm-hmm. I might start offering like a, a 90s boutique service of touring now moving forward just to bring back the, uh, the the book of lies, the day sheets and the call cards. Some people would probably be into it, bro. Yeah. It's, it's the technology age. It's a blessing and a curse. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. But mm. cell phone is my answer. answer. Much better than Liam's. Liam's was printer. Very boring. <laughs> 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 but then actually i remember today sorry i remember today i was making um like a, a smoothie earlier in my nutribullet at home and remembered that i take that on tour with me all the time and i should have fucking said that instead instead of my fucking printer because that's way more <laughs> important that's uh, good next one top tip for touring to someone that has no idea about it or someone that's getting into it what is your top tip for touring just pay attention yeah. Pay attention. Make sure you you're in the know of everything that's going on. Like you gotta you gotta understand what's going on. Like t- pay attention to the day sheets. Yeah. Pay attention to the tour managers. Pay attention to how people are talking to other people. Pay attention to how you're talking to people on the tour. Pay attention to the things that you're doing and saying and going about representing yourself. That's it. Pay attention. I really hope everyone I work with is listening to this and are taking this on board. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> because the amount of people that will stand in front of a day sheet and be like, what time are we on stage? And just be like, that's it. I'm not, I'm not printing another day sheet until you turn around. It's, it's the most annoying thing yeah. to have something tangible in front of you and ask questions about what's actually on the... Especially when that information these days is four clicks away. (laughs) Very true. And then our last talking touring question is, out of all the the tours, all the shows you've done, best memory? There's too many of those. 
Sorry, man. Sorry. We need one. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow. It's a hard question to answer. Very, very tough question. I mean, I can help you answer this because I can imagine it was that time when you met these two guys from England, you were invited onto a podcast called Talking <laughs> Touring, and that's when you finally felt that you'd made it, which makes sense. So you can have that one if you like. I would say the first time we saw uh, South Africa on the schedule. Nice. So South Africa, I've always wanted to go to South Africa. And I've heard so much about it. Um, I've heard so much about the culture and, and, and like, you know, being black in America and like the, the history, you know, the, the safaris and like you, you ride in a, in a Jeep in the middle of nowhere and you just see a family of lions and elephants and all kind of stuff. Right. Cape town, South Africa. Cape Town is one of my favorite places I've ever been in the world. I was lucky enough to spend about 10 days there. And Table Mountain. Oh, Table Mountain is mad. Those little things running around as well. Super cute. I got I got to hike Table Mountain. You walked it. I walked it. You're a madman. Love it. Right be- a day the, the day before the show. So you can imagine <laughs> <laughs> you can imagine how my legs and everything yeah. felt. Yeah, like- I was so it was like an engineer being like kick drum and you're like no chance. <laughs> <laughs> My entire body hurt. Yeah, but getting to the top of that mountain, seeing I saw well on this side you can see the ocean. It's like amazing. On the other side, the city side, you actually saw the venue that we were playing. Wow. Did you go this to the um, the tip, the very very tip where you can see the two oceans joining? I remember what it's called. It's the most beautiful bit I've ever seen. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. We, I, um, I hiked it. It took three and a half hours. Yeah. But we took the cable car back down. Yeah, we um, yeah. Exactly <laughs> I was not coming back down out here. In fact, I but, think we cable carred up there and it took us three and a half hours to get from the cable car to the end. But... <laughs> hey, really? <laughs> no, we're just lazy. <laughs> Yeah, man, we had a backpack. I had a backpack full of water. I had my walking shoes, shorts. I had a, like a, a sweater, you know, in case it got a little chilly or whatever. But yeah. looked like an official hiker. But that um, that experience and playing that show as well was, it was like no other, man. It was it was really really cool. And then seeing most deaf oh, at the lot. When we got back from hiking, and he was just cool and chill, and just like, yeah, I live here now, no you know, no worries, no problems. Where I, I believe he moved for a while, yeah, and now the times we were there, really crazy, really crazy. I think that might be my favorite memory story that we've had so far. That's fucking incredible. What an experience to have had to have, to say that you've you've climbed Table Mountain. Yes. While on tour. Yes. Incredible. In fact, there's not many people in there's not many people in the world that have probably been paid to walk up Table Mountain. Might be one of the few. That's fucking awesome. And it was I don't I don't know what maybe want to. Yeah. Yeah. Because again, like, you know, you could have just took the cable car up. Yeah. You know, sightsee, you know, did the whole picture thing, ate at the little cafe, you know, yeah. whatever. Go back down. But it's like I just wanna do something different. Like, I'm in fucking Cape Town. Yeah. You know what I mean? Let me just hike it. So we caught a cab to the guard shack. It was like the first guard shack up the little thing. Mm-hmm. And we asked the dude, it was like, yo, so how many people actually hike this thing? He was like, people do it all the time. It, it takes between three and a half to four hours, you know, depending on how fast you move. Yeah. yeah but it's it's nice. And yeah. every little, you know, every round you go up and you, you, you hike it up rocks and it's it's a tough hike. Yeah. And you turn around and you can see like the further you see, it's just like the higher you get up, the far the further you can see it. It's 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 the most surreal like visuals that you could ever imagine in your life, bro. It's crazy. Crazy. 
I'm fucking jealous of that. That is <laughs> amazing. Before we wrap it up, I've got one last question for you. Sure. Out of all the huge names you've played with, who's the best? In your opinion. Stevie. Stevie Wonder. Again, oh. so fucking jealous. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Well, that is bang on an hour. So we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up there, Chris. But thank you so much for coming on Talking Touring. My pleasure. Anytime you guys need great stories, touring stories, just hit me up. Absolutely. Will. I have a plethora of them. Dude, we could well we could we could just carry on going for another couple of hours. I'm up for it. <laughs> I'm sure you guys got better things to do. <laughs> I'm gonna go to bed. <laughs> no, it was. I, mean, my, I really appreciate you guys and the opportunity, man. If, if you guys ever need anything, also if you guys want to check out my uh, instructional book I just released this year, Gospel Drumming. Um, it it has uh, basically everything we're talking about, some touring stories and applying it to life. Yeah. And how life is a reflection of who you are as a musician, as a, as a player. So it's a real cool read. Uh, yeah. It's available everywhere now. So we'll, we'll uh, get we a sh- link to that in the bio and everything. And that would be great. Oh, sure. Yeah. So people get out there and buy it. Absolutely. Go buy it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Chris. We appreciate you coming on, man. Really, really appreciate it. Next time you're in the UK, we'll hang out and I'll treat you to a coffee or a beer or something. Sure, I would love that. Mm-hmm. I would love that. Unless Sick. it's in Glastonbury and then uh, we'll have to try another time. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'd be good. <laughs>